Thanks for joining us at Reveal, a Jesus-centered community. To learn more about us and what's going on, check us out on the web at www.revealvineyard.com. We hope in the minutes to come, you're able to find God, find others, and find yourself. Thanks again for listening. All right, so you are in for a treat today. Uh, I think we got a great topic. We're starting a new series. Um, I, I just I trust that the Holy Spirit's going to stir something great in you. Uh, that maybe your expectations—I don't know what you're expecting to happen right now—but I just want to encourage you to be inviting the Holy Spirit to speak to you, encourage you, set you on a good path, regardless of where you find yourself today. Uh, I think you made a good choice to be here. Let's go ahead and run that that opening piece, please. <laughs> So I grew up uh, with, you know, the church forced down my throat, and I wasn't really a fan of that growing up. So I didn't really give it any attention, even though my mother tried. And um, so when she passed, um, and, you know, young boy, 14 years old, religion is the last thing you want. Church is the last thing that you want to hear from anyone especially when they blamed my father for her death because he wanted a divorce. So they were telling him, you're the reason why she died, because if you guys were still together, she wouldn't have been in the car, you know, with another man, and they wouldn't have gotten hit. So, 14 years old, just started high school. At that time, there was a lot of, you know, young kids starting cults because, you know, kids, they're edgy, they're rebellious, they, um, they want to do something that's opposite of what the norm is going for, and that really caught my attention. You know, I got into a lot of heavy metal music that my dad wished I didn't really listen to, but I did. You know, topics of anti-religion, anti-Christ... So from 14 to 17, I was, I was an anti-Christian youth. Like, I, I, you know, I wasn't the name of the name of God. Like, disgusted me because I was like, why would He take my mom away from me? She, you know, she was so young, and I just went with that. And for the long time, I hated everything. I hated humans. I was. I dabbled in, you know, witchcraft, paganism, just anything that was the opposite of my mom's religion. With lack of hope, you know, your brain tells you you're worth nothing, People is worth nothing, life is worth nothing, and you really just get that mentality in your head, just negativity and just hatred. You don't know what love is. My family has faced lots of death before that. My sister, um, you know, she's on a terrible path. Um, and all this negativity just drowns you. It's, it, I just remember every day, Suicide was the one thing that made me feel safe because I could stop living in, you know, this nightmare whenever I wanted to 
And that sounds attractive to some people who live a life that's been dark and, you know, not everyone has that light of a life. It was at that point that I knew that I didn't care whether I lived or I didn't care if I died. Like, I didn't see a point in it. And then one night, I, uh, I was at a gas station middle of the night just thinking I was just like you know I don't see myself here much longer and coincidentally an old friend of mine that I knew from high school who knew me from my current job at the time pulled up to the gas station for some coffee and he saw me sitting there and he was like are you okay and I was just like I really don't want to talk about it but, you know, he's a very persistent person. So he asked again. He was like, hey, you know, I'm, I have coffee. We can talk all night. So I spent the next hour telling him that you know, I didn't see myself making it another week. Telling him just everything I was feeling and that the only thing that was actually keeping me alive those days was praying to a God I didn't even believe in. I would pray every night, just let me make it another day, another day, just another day. And I asked him, are you religious? And then he said, I'm a Christian. And I was just like, you know, at this point, I don't know anymore what's left for me. Then he invited me to a Bible study at Reveal. And, um... Then he asked me the strangest question I've never had someone ask me before. He asked, can I pray for you? And I remember this because I was just like, sure, go ahead. And I thought that meant we're going to go our happy ways. I'll meet with you, the Bible study. No, he wanted to pray right then, right there. He asked if he can grab my hand. I was just like, okay. And... He, the things he was, the things he said out loud in front of, he didn't even care who was around. He said everything, things I didn't even tell him that I was feeling. He prayed every little thing that just came to his heart. He said it out loud in front of God and everyone. Like he was just so confident, and it, that blew my mind because there was things I did not tell him, and it still gets to me that I didn't tell you those things, but he knew what to say. And so I remember my first um, visit to the Reveal Bible study. And so eventually I introduced myself and they asked me my story. And I just remember bawling my eyes out to complete strangers. Because these people cared when other people didn't care. No one asked, oh, how are you? Are you okay? And so these people who never met me in my life watched me cry and they just hugged me, prayed for me and as I just told them my story since that time a lot has happened it's been quite an amazing four to five years I'd say because you know, I went from a, a Christ-rejecting youth to a Christ-accepting adult, and I think that's a big thing. I never thought in a million years I would be 
at a church every Sunday, volunteering at a church every Sunday. And I have this friend who's been doing what I'm trying to do, which is spread my mission of, you know, suicide awareness, mental health awareness. I just want people in the church to realize that they're not alone. And I just want these people to know that if they need someone and they feel they're going to be judged, I'm not the one that's going to judge them. So I'm 25 years old now, and I'm not entirely sure what my future holds. All I know is, you know, the present that God has given me, which is my purpose. And I believe that you have a purpose too. And if you feel like you're the outcast, that makes two of us. My name is Anthony Caban, and this is my comeback story. stuff right there. Everyone needs a comeback story. Everyone needs a comeback story. Listen, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I love, I love a good comeback. However you want to package it, however you want to phrase it, buzzer beating shot, overtime, hail Mary, uppercut in the final seconds of the closing round, someone who's overlooked, written off, passed by, left for dead, and begin to scratch and crawl, uh, crawl their way back from the dead. I love a good comeback. It's why, no matter how many times I've seen it, if I'm channel surfing and Rocky's on TV, I'm watching it, right? Now you're thinking, well, which Rocky? Rocky 1 or Rocky 53? It doesn't matter. Any, if you can't root for a comeback when Drago says, I must break you. There's something wrong with your soul. That's what I'm thinking, right? I love a good comeback story. I think it's because we all know what it's like when life turns south, when people or circumstances disappoint us and life does not turn out as we had hoped. We've all been against the ropes, absorbing the blows, secretly wondering how much more of this can I take before I give up or throw in the towel. I think we've all experienced the hunger and the craving for something new, something fresh, and something better. It just resonates with us. And if you've ever been there, if you've ever craved for something new, something fresh, something better, welcome to the comeback. A celebration of new beginnings and the celebration of the God of anything's possible. And as we journey closer to Easter, I pray that it would remind you that anything is possible, and that you are never too far gone, and that your comeback story is closer than you think. Here's something about a comeback that I want us to realize. We'll put it on the screen. In order for there to be a comeback, there must first be a setback. In order for there to be the resurrection, there first had to be the cross, which in all natural uh, circumstances, appearances, seemed like a setback. See, if Rocky beats Creed in fight one of the first movie, we're all walking out 38 minutes later a little frustrated, wanting our money back, and the entire franchise collapses. What makes the comeback so beautiful is the setback. And we love a comeback, I think, because every one of us can identify with the setback. See, it is the setback that serves as the setup for the comeback. 
Let me say that again because some of you need to hear that. It is your setback that serves as the setup for your comeback. So one, one thing I love about Anthony's story is that it highlights the God of the comeback. It highlights that none of us are too far gone, that no one is out of God's reach, that no one has drifted too far. And so as we journey closer to Easter, which is, by the way, the greatest comeback story ever told, amen? Amen. Let me say that again. Easter, the greatest comeback story ever told, amen? amen? Right? Let it remind you that his comeback is your comeback. And the resurrection of Jesus is your resurrection. That his life was intended to give you life. And so regardless of where you find yourself today, your comeback is closer than you think. The other part of Anthony's story that I appreciate is his decision that he made to not allow his setback to define his future. Let me unpack that a little bit. See, in life, your setback can either be your prison or it can be your platform. Listen, let me say that again. Today, your setback can either be your prison or it can be your platform because we all know that setbacks are part of life, right? Life is what life is. There will be setbacks. So here's the question that needs to be answered. Will your setback today remain your setback of tomorrow or will your setback today become your message of tomorrow? Each of us has to answer that question. See, we can't choose our season of life, but we can choose our spirit that we enter into that season. And so ask yourself, will your setback today remain your setback of tomorrow, or will your setback today become your message of tomorrow? I pray that you choose, as Anthony did, that if I have to go through it, I may as well come out with something of value on the other side, and that is your message, that is your platform, that you are not too far gone. Let's get ready for a comeback this morning. I'm going to need your help, and so if you're going to sit there and just be quiet, we're going to really struggle today, okay? I'm just telling you. And, and you, know those, you know those breakup things where it says, it's not you, it's me? In this case, no, it's you, okay? I'm going to need you to show some life today as we're going to start off on our Easter series the comeback. Join me as we pray. Holy Spirit, I know that there are people here at this moment right now who are in desperate need of a comeback. And they've been living in a setback for too long and wondering where you're at and wondering when the seasons of life will change and they're losing hope and they're against the ropes and they're wondering how much longer can I endure. And I pray that you would stir something in each person here. I pray with great boldness that you would speak to each person exactly what it is that they need to hear, that you would step into their time and their space, and you would speak to them the word of God that is needed for this moment, for their situation, that you would put us on the road to a comeback. We pray, Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way among us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This morning, I want us to unpack um, a setback experienced by both Moses and the nation, the children of Israel. You may know their story. They were under Egyptian bondage for about 400 years until God leads them out through a man named Moses. Now, they have left um, the Egyptian bondage 
Uh, but now they find themselves in the gap. They're not where they used to be. They're no longer slaves, but they're also not where God promised them to be. They're in the middle. They're in the gap, not where they used to be, not where God is taking them. They're in the middle. They're in the gap, and they really haven't experienced their comeback fully. They're in their setup. Their setback was slavery. Their setup is coming out of slavery. They're now in the wilderness, and God brings them to the threshold of their comeback, and he shows them the promised land that he desires to give them, and 12 spies are sent into the land to come back with a report, and two come back with a favorable report, 10 come back with a negative report. We'll pick up in Numbers 13. Here's what it says. Then Caleb, who was one of the two, who said, let's go forward, let's grab this comeback. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone with him, here's the other 10, said, we can't attack those people. Catch what they said. They are stronger than we are. See, sometimes... We stay in our setback because we don't think we're worthy of a comeback. And here is an entire nation who is going to be, who is going to be uh, sedated into believing that, that they cannot step into their future because their mind is still set on the past. Look at verse 32. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they explored. And they said, listen, listen how they over-exaggerated. The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are great size. Other translation says these people are giants. We saw the Nephilim there and the descendants of Anak and the, uh, from, who came from the Nephilim. And catch what they say. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. So Israel comes out of 400-year setback, and through the divine hand of God, they are set up to fully embrace their comeback, the land of promise. But something blocks their forward progress, and it is their opinion of themselves. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. There's actually two problems taking place. One is the symptom, and the other is the root. The symptom is they lacked confidence in themselves. The root is their God was too small. The the symptom was they lacked confidence in themselves, but the root of it was they lacked confidence in God because their God was too small. Start, Start to think on that just a little bit. See, you cannot have a clear image of God. Listen carefully. You cannot have a clear image of the majesty of who God is without it changing the image that you have of yourself. You cannot have a clear image of who God is without it beginning to change the image you have of yourself. You cannot see God as strong without seeing yourself as a little bit stronger. You cannot see God as wise without seeing yourself as a little bit wiser. Because the God who is wise and the God who is strong is the very God who is now in you. No, no, no. So you totally missed that. You totally missed that. It's not me today. It's you, okay? Right? Something is now inside of you, and that is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And so you cannot have an image of God and not have it change the image that you see of yourself. And so if the spirit of God is now on you and in you and working through you, then the you that is you is no longer the you that used to be you. You'll decipher that one today sometime at lunch. You'll be like, oh, I get it. The you that used to be you is no longer you. 
Because something has taken up residence inside of you. And so if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you, you are not the you you used to be. In other words, maybe today God wants to introduce you to the real you. Maybe God wants to pull you close, the old you and the new you, and say, old you, meet the new you. This is who you are. Because once you get an image of who God is, something changes in how we see ourselves. Now listen, listen, listen. Some of you longtime church people that are really like, you're a little offended right now. I am not promoting narcissism. I'm not promoting faith in ourselves. Did you hear me? I'm not promoting faith in ourselves. I am promoting Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. I am... I am promoting 1 John 2, that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That I am promoting. Do you understand the difference? And so if you get an image of who God is, it begins to change how you see yourself because the God that created you said you're a masterpiece. And so the problem is here is that Israel not only sees themselves as grasshoppers, that's the symptom. The bigger problem was that their God was too small. And so when you look at yourself today, do you see yourself as a grasshopper or a giant killer? Is your God too small? Small God syndrome. Don't let your mind go anywhere else. Small God syndrome will cause you to retreat when you should advance, will cause you to give ground when you should take ground, will cause you to panic when you should praise. Small God syndrome will cause you to see the old you when God is trying to introduce you to the new you. Small God syndrome, listen, will cause you to mismanage your setup and thereby forfeit your comeback. And that is what's happening to Israel. Small God syndrome, and they're mismanaging their setup. They're not in their setback anymore, right? They're out of slavery. They're in their setup, and they're about to mismanage their setup, and they're about to forfeit their comeback because... Their God was too small. Let's dig a little deeper. The story of Israel actually begins back in the book of Exodus. Now, Exodus means exit. For those of you that feel trapped today, this should stir some hope in you. God is still the God of exit. God is still the God that leads us on, leads us out, pushes us forward, which means if he is the God of exit, it means that we are never really trapped. This is the beauty of Romans 8, 28, that God causes all things to work together for good, right? That God takes everything, our setbacks, our setups, our comebacks, and he works them all together, and nothing can keep us from God's good intentions for us, because he is still the God of the exit. And so if you find yourself up against the ropes today, can I remind you, he is still the God of the exit and can still bring you to a setup and bring you in to your comeback. And so 400 years of captivity... That's a long setback until at some point they decide to begin to cry out to God. Now, I don't know what triggered them. I don't know why it took so long, but I know that there are many times I stay in my setback far too long before something snaps and say, well, I should really be praying that I get out of my setback. And so 400 years and they begin to cry out to God asking for their comeback. Now, understand what's happening. Israel has a problem, so Israel talks to God and God talks to Moses. Israel has a problem, and so Israel's crying out to God, but God's coming over here, and he's talking to Moses. Exodus 3 is the account of God trying to convince Moses, the answer, to step into his assignment. And there is this dialogue going back and forth where God's trying to move Moses, and Moses is like, wrong man, 
for the job. Why? Because his God was too small. But listen, listen, listen. God didn't call Moses because he was the right man. He called him because he is the right God. Mm, just like some of you are just like, I, I, don't, I don't think, I, I'm, I'm not sure. Do you got earbuds in right now? God didn't call Moses because he was the right man for the job. He called him because God is the right God for the job. And there are things going on in your life right now, and you're not being stirred, you're not being moved, you're not being called because you're the right man or the right woman for the job. He's calling you because he is the right God for the job. Meaning that your comeback is less about you and more about him, if you'll position yourself under him. And so Exodus 3 is this, is this dialogue, this dance of God trying to convince Moses to step into the person that he's created him to be. He's like, old you, meet the new you. And so this is, this is this struggle going on. So Israel has a problem. Israel talks to God. God talks to Moses, which frustrates me because if I have a problem and I talk to God, I want God talking to me. If I have a problem, I want God to let me in on the answer, but sometimes that's not how God works. And so Israel has a problem. Israel talks to God. God talks to, to Moses, which reminds me that just because God isn't talking to you about your problem doesn't mean he's not working on the answer. That's Anthony's story where he's praying to a God he doesn't even necessarily believe in. And while Anthony's talking to God, God's talking to someone else, an old friend, a co-worker, who's going to have a divine appointment with him at a gas station over coffee, and something's about to break. So just because God isn't speaking to me about my problem doesn't mean he's not working on the solution. Thank you, someone. Finally. Woo, here we go. So Moses, he had problems of his own. Moses suffered a setback from birth, right? In order to keep him alive, his mother has to kind of give him up. And he grows up in Pharaoh's home and he's, he has royalty and privilege. But he's conflicted because he's too Hebrew to be Egyptian and he's too Egyptian to be fully Hebrew. And so he's kind of caught in this gap and uh, he sees an Egyptian beating on a Hebrew man. And Moses, coming to uh, the aid of his brother, kills the Egyptian and suddenly realizes, I'm in a lot of trouble. And he goes on a voluntary exile for 40 years in Midian, hiding from all of life until God hunts him down. Exodus 3, 5, we get the account, you know, the burning bush. And God says, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Listen to what God is saying. Moses, you need to make some adjustments, son, because the ordinary just slipped into the extraordinary. And the natural just slipped into the supernatural. So Moses, you need to make some adjustments to your stance, adjust your attitude, adjust your posture, because the God that is calling you out deserves a little respect, yo. That's what he's saying. He's saying a little reverence and a little awe. Can I make a suggestion to us? Uh, uh, next week, uh, our, our new worship uh, pastor, Daniel, will be here for the first Sunday. Uh, can I make a suggestion to our entire church? I told First Services too, that when we come to worship corporately, that you adjust yourself. That you adjust yourself to realize that the God who is here is expecting something. And that the ordinary is slipping into the extraordinary. And the natural is slipping into the supernatural because the presence of God wants to dwell among his people. But for that to happen, you're going to need to adjust yourself. A little awe and a little reverence, God says, if you please. And so here is this, what is that? That's like the glory of heaven falling right now. I, I thought it was a bat at first, I swear. I thought, how do we rebound from a bat flying around? Oh my goodness. Whew, all right, where am I? That was weird. 
That's like baptism leftover. I'll take it. I'll take more of that. So Moses is finally convinced. He's kind of convinced, sort of convinced. And so he says, all right, God, if I go, the people are going to ask, who sends you? And he says, what name should I give them? And God says, all right, son, you want a name? I'm going to give you a name. And so I can see Moses grabbing his stick, kind of clearing off a spot in the dirt, and he begins to write down the name that God's going to give him, because you don't want to forget the name of God if you're going in to deliver the people out of 400 years of bondage. And so here's what he says, Exodus 3.14, and he said, Moses, say this to the people of Israel, I am sent me to you. Moses is like, I am. What's next? And God's like, that's it. He's like, wait, 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 I am what? And God says, exactly. I am who? God says, exactly. See, what God is saying is, Moses, I can't give you a name that will fully encompass all that I am, and so for now, I'm going to leave you with a blank. Because whatever I need to be, say it. Whatever you need me to be, wherever you need me to be, that's the word God has given to some of you today right now, that whatever you need me to be, I am. See, when, when Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit coming down and that, that reference of the paraclete, not parakeet, the reference of the paraclete, we really can't really put that into good English terms. That's why it's comforter, counselor, you know, all these different. It's because it's all-encompassing. Whatever you need the Holy Spirit to be, Holy Spirit says, I am. And so God kind of leaves this blank check. Moses, go to the people, and whatever you need, I am. That's strong right there. And so he says, tell the people, I am sent me. Now, look how God flips their setback into a blessing. Exodus 3, 21. And I will cause the Egyptians to look favorably favorably upon you. They will give you gifts when you go, so you will not leave empty-handed. This is 400 years in a setback. Now they're in a setup, and God says, your setup is actually going to produce your future blessing." Some of you missed it. Your setup is going to be part of your future blessing. And so God says, I will bend the hearts of the Egyptian, your captors, and they will actually bless you going out. See, isn't that the truth of James 1 that says, consider it all joy, my brothers or sister, when you encounter various trials or setbacks, knowing that the testing of your faith does what? Produces produces something, meaning if you're going to go through it, you may as well come through it with something of value, is what God is saying. If you're going to go through it, and you will go through it, all of us, all of us will have setbacks. That is life. If you're going to go through it, you may as well come through it with something of value, because your setback today can either be your prison, or it can be your platform. See, we like to celebrate when we come through our setback, but listen, listen, But if the you you are when you come through it is the same you you were when you went in it, then you came through with nothing. If the you you are when you come through it is the same you that when you went in it, you missed it. And so if you're going to go through it, you may as well come through it with something of value. And here's what God is setting them up. So I love Anthony's story. He's like, look, this is my story. I'm coming through it with something of value. And what value is, is my message that you matter and that you're never too far gone. So in Exodus 3, God raises a deliverer. But the promise doesn't happen until Exodus 12. Now we like to read these passages in the Bible as 30-minute sitcoms. 
you know, a 30-minute sitcom is there's a problem, and at the end of 30 minutes, it's all resolved. Everybody's happy eating around the dinner table. That's not life. There are things in your life that will not be resolved in 30 minutes, 30 days, 30 months. I don't know how long it's going to take. And so we kind of read through this, and we get from the promise in chapter 3, but the fulfillment's not in chapter 12, and the gap in between is all kinds of plagues, all kinds of uh, problems, all kinds of heartache, all kinds of death, all kinds of boils, all kinds of frogs, all kinds of everything. And so the promise is given, but it's later that the promise is received. Look at 12, 36. And the Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably upon the Israelites, and they gave the Israels whatever they asked for. That would be sweet. So they stripped the Egyptians of their wealth because faith, faith is not just how big you can believe. Faith is how long you can believe. And so faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of what? Things not yet seen, right? And so faith, yeah, you can have big faith, but you also need to have long faith. Right? You have to keep believing, keep holding, keep trusting, keep working your setback until you full, or your setup until you fully step into your comeback. So Israel is on the move, on the threshold of their comeback. The promised land is literally within sight. 400 years of bondage coming to a close. They're no longer slaves in Egypt, but they're not also in the land of pro- promise. They're in their setup, right? There's their setback, there's their comeback, and there's their setup. They're in the middle, they're in the gap. And all that is needed is for 12 men to come back with a report that says something like this. Yeah, they're big. Yeah, they're bad. But our God is better. All they need is to come back with a report that says, yeah, they're bigger than us. Yeah, they out, they, they're, they're larger than us. But, but we got a little muscle behind the hustle, and that's God himself. But they don't come back with that word. Two of them come back with the muscle is enough. And ten come back and say, we are but like grasshoppers in their eyes. Listen, listen. They're set up. We're closing, so pay attention. They're set up was better than their setback, but it wasn't as good as their comeback. Let me say it again. Their setup was better than their setback. They're no longer slaves, but it's not as good as their comeback. And I wonder how many of us don't embrace the fullness of God, the comeback, because our setup is at least better than our setback. Hey, at least it's not as bad as it used to be. I mean, at least, at, least, at, least it's not, at least it's not completely falling apart. And so God brings us out of our setback into our setup. And we're like, well, yeah, it's not bad. Sometimes the step from your setup to your comeback, that's a pretty big step of faith. And the Israelites weren't willing to take that step. And so they were willing to stay in their setup because at least it was better than their setback. At least we're not slaves to Egypt anymore. Listen. Listen, we seem like grasshoppers. Ten voices persuaded the entire camp of Israel to settle for a season that was better than their past, but not as good as their future. Ten voices persuaded them to settle for a season better than their past, but it was nowhere as good as their future that God was bringing them into. And so what voices are influencing you today? What voices might be keeping you from your comeback, from stepping in to what God has been creating for you. Maybe maybe we will not step into our comeback until we start to gather people around us whose voices will help stir us and align our thinking with the promises of God. 
Maybe, maybe, maybe your God is too small. Only you can answer that. What does that look like for you? Listen, we'll close it out. Give me 30 seconds. The spies saw the giants accurately. But they saw God and a result themselves inaccurately. And all of Israel missed their comeback, not because they lost to the giant, because they lost to the what? The grasshopper. Because their God was too small. You have small God syndrome today? I think God wants to break something wants to stir something, wants to release something, wants to move you just not out of your setback into your setup, but he wants to bring you in to your comeback. But, but you're going to have to work with him. And sometimes I think we just, you know, we kind of do this prayer and we just say, God, just do it, just do it, just do it. And, and every time in Scripture, we, God requires the participation of those who are about to receive the comeback. And sometimes we don't want that participation part. We just want God to do it instantly on his own. But you're going to have to work it. So it leads us all to this question. And we took the long way around today. Is your God too small? I believe as we go into our Easter season, I believe this firmly, and I don't know what your story is. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know if you're up against the ropes. I don't know if you're on the canvas. I, I don't know what it looks like, but I firmly believe that his resurrection is your resurrection and his comeback is your comeback. And the God that performed comebacks in scripture is still the same God that performs comebacks today. He is still the same God. He is still willing to work. He's still willing to move. And you are not too far gone. Yes, thank you. All right. Um, I'm going to pray. Next week, we're going to highlight another story in the church, another comeback story. This is a really good series for you to invite friends to who need to come back. Um, Some, you you know people, they need to hear this and position themselves to let the Holy Spirit speak to them specifically. Let's pray. Lord, I, I, I hope that during the message today that you moved beyond my words and moved beyond my thoughts and moved... Um, beyond what was spoken and that your spirit settled on the hearts and minds of each person and that you spoke specifically what each person needed to hear. Because we're all in different seasons, we're all in different places, and um, we all need something specific. And I still believe that you are the God of I am. Whatever it is that we need, you say, I am. And so I pray that for us. I pray it would become real. And some... Listen, I just got this overwhelming sense right now. Some, I'm going to be really bold. In this section over here to my left, I won't go any further, but some of someone over here, uh, I just got the word that, uh, that you need to break off some apathy on you right now. That you've become stale and crusty and hard and it's not the heart that God's created in you and that you feel it upon yourself. And I literally, as I was praying, I literally saw an outer shell on someone crumbling off of them. 
And so in this section, the first section, I don't want to embarrass you. On the other part, I'm not calling anyone out, so you take it for what it's worth. But if your heart, if your spirit has become hardened, and if you have just been filled with apathy, and, and, and your spirit is withering, I feel like God is coming to you at this moment, and he wants to break the casing around your heart, and he wants to free you from the apathy that is sucking the life out of you and he wants to bring you into your comeback and your comeback is a heart that is soft and pliable and hungry for the things of God again I pray somebody over here receives that God I pray someone receives that and so I pray Holy Spirit whoever that is whatever that looks like I'm praying that you would come I'm praying in each one of our lives that we would not settle for a setup just because it's a little better than our setback but that we would continue to seek and pursue the God of the comeback. I pray this is the season of the comeback for us. We pray, Holy Spirit, in the great name of Jesus, the greatest comeback king of all time. Amen. Amen. Church, I look forward to seeing you next week. we got another great service for you next week. Invite someone to come next week. If you're a guest, I'd love to meet you. If you need prayer, come on down. Let someone pray for you. See what God's going to do in your comeback story. God bless you. There's a miracle in this room With my name on There's a healing in this room And it